if you are in a leadership position, team leader, squad leader, platoon sergeant, and your soldier wants to go above and beyond, he wants to go a different route, he wants to career progress, you are a terrible leader if you try to persuade him not to do that. Hi guys, I'm Natalie Hayes, the host of Fit to Lead, where we talk about all things fitness, leadership, and how to leave a legacy worth remembering. Today, I talked to somebody who certainly already has a legacy worth remembering. Green Bray, father, husband, and just all around badass, Spencer, owner of The Alpha Country, is on here today. And I we had such a great time talking um, just about his story. He has an amazing story. So many obstacles that he overcame that others couldn't. So we dove into how he did that, what he's doing now, what he's doing moving forward. And it was just such an honor to get to talk to him. So before you check it out, make sure you go follow him on Instagram at the alpha country and check out his business um, at the alpha country.com. He has a veteran owned apparel line and also is selling what he used to get ready for SFAS. Um, He's selling his program on there to get all of you SFAS ready if you want to be. So here we go. Without further ado, my conversation with Spencer. Let me know what you guys think. All right, Spencer, thank you so much for joining me here today. And we were just getting into it right before I press record, a reason why we've both started a social media presence um, and doing podcasts and Instagram before we get out of the military. Uh, We see a lot of people do it after they get out, but we're both still in. So I just want to let you go ahead, Spencer, and tell us why you have kind of chosen to take your thoughts and expressions and and bring them out to the public for everyone to see. Yeah, thank you for for having me on here too as well. So yeah, I when I joined back in 2014, you know, I I had a I had a social media platform. It was like, you know, MySpace or something like that. But uh so I realized that if I really wanted to invest and completely put 24/7 to, you know, my goals in the military and stuff like that, for me personally, and I don't recommend this for for everybody, but for me, I needed to get away. All right, so I I needed to leave home. That's why that's why I enlisted, and I needed to kind of start fresh. You know, I was making, I wasn't making the best decisions before before I joined. You know, I was a I was a rebel kid. You know, I was doing stuff that my parents told me not to do, and um, so for me, I was like, you know what. I, I'm just going to delete all my stuff and just focus on, on what's going on. And that was great. Like I was able to do that and it may not have been from deleting all my social media. You know, it could have been just, you know, making that decision that, Hey, I'm going to focus on this 100%. I probably could have kept my Instagram open and just like, didn't pay attention to it or Facebook open, didn't pay attention to it. But, you know, I had made a decision and, and I wanted to stick with that, that I was you know going to delete that and just 100% focus on, being the best soldier I could be really, you know, it, it wasn't like I joined, I didn't join with an, an 18 x-ray contract. I joined with uh, 11 x-ray and I didn't get a high enough GT score on my ASVAB. And so I think it got like a 98. And I think a lot of people get a low score because when they take it, they don't have that initial thought of like, Oh, I, I want to enlist. You know what I mean? I think I took mine like senior year of high school mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't care. You know, I was like, C, 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 C. And yeah. I could only get an 11 x-ray contract. And so then when I was... So um, for, what's 11 x-ray for everyone, anyone who may not know? So 11 x-ray is, um, it's an infantry contract, but you can either, 
you, you get transitioned to when you get to basic training, you get transitioned to from 11 x-ray, which is kind of like an unknown, like, are you going to be a straight infantry dude or are you going to be in 11 Charlie? So 11 Bravo is infantry. 11 Charlie is infantry, but their main focus is going to be mortars. So I got placed as an 11 Bravo. So straight infantry that's what we learned in basic training you know pretty much the basic skills shoot move communicate you know first aid and all that stuff that that you hear all the time but so when i realized that you know i was just going to be infantry i wasn't really thinking about my asvab score at all i was like you know what let me get to my unit and you know prove myself and stuff like that i was like 19 years old and after basic training let me go back so during basic training i got my 11 bravo identifier and i was initially slotted to go to 25th Infantry Division in uh, Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So um, I was, I talked to my drill sergeant. I was like, Hey, you know, I want to get an airborne contract. Like I want to be, I want to be a, an airborne infantryman. Right. That's what I thought. It, that's what I thought they called it. It's a paratroop. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> so he was like, Oh, you want to be a paratroop? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, uh, all right, we'll take a PT test. And the top three guys will get, you know, an airborne contract. So we took a PT test and, you know, I got it within the top three. So he's like, all right, yep, here's your airborne contract. And so I went to airborne school, finished that and um, went to 82nd airborne. When I got to the 82nd, I was a machine gunner for about six to eight months before my platoon sergeant came up and asked me and he was, uh, he, he was super ranger, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a ranger all the way. he was like hey you're a big dude you're strong what do you think about going to ranger school like i want to get somebody in the in the platoon a ranger tab and i was a pfc at this point a private first class and uh, yeah i was like damn you know am i ready for this you know what i mean i didn't i didn't know if i was you know like i was brand new to the army i just got done with airborne school all i knew was carry the big big 240 Bravo around the big, big machine gun. And, you know, just listen to my team leaders, listen to my squad leaders, listen to my platoon sergeant. That's all I knew. And then now I was going to get the first taste of being on your own in the army. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. when you go to a big school like that, you're on your own. You don't your teammates, unless you go with, you know, a teammate or something, but you don't have your team leader there to guide you and, and make you feel comfortable to ask questions. You don't have your squad leader or platoon sergeant or anything like that. You are there by yourself. And so you need to, you need to be able to, to adapt, adapt to that. And so that kind of worried me because I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. I'd only been in the army for eight months, but he had the confidence in me and that made me feel confident. So he sent me to, he sent me to pre-ranger course in um, the 82nd and it was awful. Like it was one of the worst experiences because of the physical demanding portion. But like it was, it crushed everybody's soul, it crushed everybody's body, but that they were doing the right thing. You know, now that I look back at it, like they were preparing us for ranger school and not a lot of, you know, not a lot of places you can go and be like, yeah, that got me ready. But that like looking back on it now, like 82nd pre-ranger was 100% what got me through ranger school we started out with i think 107 like candidates i guess mm-hmm. and um only four of us graduated wow oh yeah. my goodness yeah so it was me it was uh myself it was um a sergeant and then a staff sergeant and a second lieutenant 
So it's just us four out of like, I would yeah, like 107 people, if I, if I can remember right. Um, anyway, around a hundred people and only four of us, four has graduated. And so that kind of, that kind of opened my up to as well. You know, I was a, I was a PFC, a private first class in E3, hanging with yeah. E5 sergeants, E6s, staff sergeants and officer, you know, mm-hmm. and in my eyes, when I first got there, I really, really looked up to those dudes. And I was like, you know, they, they know a lot more than me. I can, I can kind of piggyback off of them. But I started to realize that I I studied more than a lot of people did before coming there. They had already had the experience. They had done it before. They had done all the tasks and stuff like that, that we were doing in pre-ranger, but they didn't study as hard as what I did. And they didn't read the ranger handbook, you know, for two or three weeks straight every day because I, I was so nervous. I was like, look, I need to know what I'm doing. I'm 18, 19 years old. These guys are going to be vetted and, and have done combat deployments. Like at least the least I can do is take care of my part and um, study the Ranger Handbook. And then I, I just started to realize that, you know, there's no reason for me to be scared. Like there's no reason for me to be like, oh, I can't hang with these guys. I can't. And, and I see that a lot. You know, I see young guys come in being like, hey, you know, can I go SF at 20 years old or, or 22 years old? And it's like, yeah, man, like you can, it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, I get, I get messages all the time or, or get a ask like, Hey, I'm 35, I'm 36. Like, should I even, should I even try? Should I even, and I'm just like, you guys, there's no age limit on this. There's 19 year olds. There's 21 year olds. Uh, there's 35 year olds. There's 40 year olds, 45 year olds. Like I have a 45 year old on my team and he is still crushing everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely has nothing to do with your age or nothing to do with, um, you know, how old you are or anything. But, uh, so I graduated, um, so can you yeah, briefly describe kind of what pre-ranger was like, yeah. um, for, you know, I mean, I'm sure most people haven't, haven't gone, but if you could briefly describe it, like what, what about it broke, you broke off so many people. Yeah. So, so 82nd pre-ranger is, um, off on its own compound. So it's, you're not on the big base. Um, and not every pre-ranger is like this. So I know there's multiple ones, but I can only speak for, for the 82nd one. It's off on your own compound. And the reason why it broke us off is it was dead middle of the summer. I think it was like June. And if you've ever been to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, it is humid, like 200% humidity. It's like 105, 110 degrees all the time. It doesn't matter what hour you're doing anything like we we would start our 12 mile ruck and that's what really crushed everybody you know we had been getting smoked for the past you know two or three days you know constantly because it's it's you know they want to break you off to to see who's committed you know what i mean if they didn't make it hard everybody would have a range of 10 everybody would be able to do it if they didn't make it hard so if you're going to that you know what i mean you're you are accepting the fact that you're going to get crushed and I accepted that. I just didn't know that it was going to be that, you know what I mean? And it was a lot, it was a, it was a lot of things, the heat and just not, you can't train for that. You know what I mean? Unless you would like ask your buddy, you're like, Hey, can you just smoke me for three hours? Like that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So you can't, you can only prepare for so much. And I think that a lot of people just weren't, weren't prepared. You know, they didn't do, they didn't 
they did not know that that was what it was going to be like. And so pre-ranger is just, I think, 21 days, if I can remember right. It's like 21 days. And it's really just a condensed version of your first phase, which is Darby and Ranger School. So you do the same, you do the same gates, which are gates are just your physical events. So you do the ranger physical assessment, you do um, the swim test, um, you do a 12 mile ruck, you do an obstacle course, all that stuff that you see in the first phase of um, the actual ranger school is what you do um, at pre-ranger. So you really get a good taste or bad taste, uh, however you want to look at it, on what you're really getting yourself into. And so, you know, you go through you go through your, your PT test, your 12-mile ruck, and that is, what, that is what ended a lot of people. The four that graduated were the four that finished the ruck in under three hours. All the other candidates came in um, after that three hours. So, but um, luckily we had some volunteers that were, okay with staying so that we could do so that we had enough people to run the rest of the prep which is you know you're patrolling your 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 infantry skills well you can't do those infantry skills and and those patrolling and those tasks with only four people you know you need you need at least i think we had eight to ten total and um so we were Luckily, we were able to do that. We were able to continue and get graded on patrolling, get graded on oh, and, and land navigation. So that's another part of the part of the gate, uh, or one of the physical assessments. So you do, you know, your PT test, your twelve mile ruck, your swim test, your land navigation, um, the obstacle course, all those things you're going to get introduced if you haven't been introduced to while you're at pre ranger course. And yeah, the last couple of weeks after you got done doing all the physical training. Um, it was just patrolling. So, um, you know, planning an ambush, um, planning and executing a raid, all these battle drills are, is what they're called. All these battle drills, like reacting to contact, you know, squad attack, platoon attack, you know, all, all those, all those infantry tasks is what you get introduced to at pre-ranger so that you don't go to ranger school because you can go to ranger school as, as whatever MOS you want, you know, anybody can go. But that gives not only infantrymen um, or paratroopers or anything a prep to go to, but it also gives somebody that's, you know, like just for example, like a cook, you know, they don't they don't practice react to contact squad attack. But and if they do, that's cool. But you are going to get introduced to that no matter what MOS you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that helps out a lot of people when they're like, hey, you know, I see that a ranger tab gets me pretty much put in a category that's above my peers that don't have ranger tabs mm-hmm. and that gives a cook or some other MOS kind of confidence that, Hey, if I go to this prep course, then I have a chance in ranger school. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what I'm getting myself into. And, um, so I think, yeah, I think the uh, pre-ranger is, is freaking awesome. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I love loved it. So, yeah. So you said that was around the moment when, when you graduated, you realized like you could hang, with all these guys, like you had what it take to, you had what it takes to endure. Yeah. Yeah. I was and it. Wasn't, I knew that I wasn't as experienced as them, but the way that I looked at it is if I could watch them do the right thing. And if I could watch them execute something, you know, the right way, then I could do it too. You know, I just needed to see, I'm a very, I'm a very like watch somebody do something and then I do it, you know, mm-hmm. that's how I learned. And so as I knew 
that all this squad, you know, infantry tasks and squad attack and platoon attack and, and patrolling and all that stuff. Like it was, it was pretty new to me because like I said, I, I was just, I was just uh, a machine gunner, head down, freaking, you know, neck, left foot in front of the other. Like all, I was just carrying the pig, carrying the 240 bravo. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it really, once I got to see them, you know, be a, a platoon sergeant of, of, of a um, battle drill or a squad leader of a battle drill, and I got to watch them. And I was like, you know what? I can do this too. You know, I can, I can do exactly what they're doing, like, but even better. And I, Hell and yeah. I love them. Hell yeah. Them, but, I was like, you know what, this is a business and like the, especially special operations, it is a big business. If you don't perform and if you don't, and I'm not saying that you're like against your buddies or anything, but you are competing against your buddies. You know, Mm -hmm. the teammates on your team should be pushing you to be, to be better. And that's what these guys did to me in pre-ranger. Like they realized as a, as a sergeant, as a staff sergeant that, I was different. I was a different PFC. I was a different, you know, 19 year old than, than what they were using. And so, you know, they kind of took me under, under their belt while I was in, while I was in pre-ranger. And when I graduated pre-ranger, I had, I was awarded honor grad, which that was that, you know, again, made me feel like, all right, you know, I can, I can do what these guys are doing. I can, I can, I can hang with these guys. And then I got like, I think 12 out of 12 points or 11 out of 12 points for land nav. So they had this board called the golden compass. So I got that too. And, you know, all my, all my buddies that I had been away with my, cause you know, my, when I graduated pre-ranger, your whole squad shows up, you know what I mean? And they had no clue. And then, you know, when we're doing the ceremony, only four, there's only four guys there. So everybody's like, no dude, where's everybody else at? And they're like, no, it's just us four, man. And then they're like, Oh my God. Oh, dude, you were honor grad. You were, you got the, you got the golden compass, you know, as, as goofy as it sounds. They just thought that that was awesome. And that's when I kind of started again to realize not that I could hang with these guys, but I could be an NCO that could really like, <clears throat> that understands and, and can pass this information off and pass it along as long as I kind of did what they did. And what they did was take me under their wing, you know, mm-hmm. they, they realized that that I was that I was different, and they were like, "Yo, dude, you you can go far with this." You know what I mean? Like you can you can really do it. And that gave me the confidence going into Ranger School. Not only going with guys that I had three other friends that you know were confident in me, and you know, unfortunately, we got split to different platoons once we got there. But I knew that they were there, and I knew that they were going through the same shitty time that I was going through. Yeah, and, and to just know that you have a couple friends there that you know, three weeks ago, I didn't even know. And then now I look at them as like, you know, as like a brother and, and that they're keeping me, you know, if I would quit, then I'd be quitting on them. And and same with the same, that's exactly how they thought. Like we all, we all got our tabs uh, when we went to ranger school. So we went four for four and we would all talk about it like after and be like, yeah, dude, I was just waiting for one of you to quit so I could quit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nobody quit. So it was just like, and like I have got, I got recycled in mountains and uh, like there was, I think two of the other guys that got recycled. I think the, the stack Lieutenant went straight through. Um, but like all of the NCOs and the enlisted, we all got recycled at least once. And so that was a big deal for me, you know, getting, getting recycled. And I can, I can go into a lot about that. Cause that, that was a, that was a rough time. That was a really, really yeah, let's time. go into it. Yeah. Let's tell us about it. Let's, 
tell us about Ranger School and your experience and yeah, let's just keep going. All right. So when I finished pre-Ranger course before going, I think you have like maybe four or five days in between to kind of get ready, get your packing list ready and refit to go off to Ranger School. Well, when I got done with pre-Ranger, my wife told me that she was pregnant. So oh, wow. Like oh, my, just in those, those like four or five days, four or five days, you said? Yeah. Oh, wow. So she, got, she had got pregnant. So pre-Ranger is only like 21 days. So she had got pregnant cup either like a couple of weeks or a month before and she had t- taken a test while I was in pre-ranger and that's when she found out that she was pregnant and so uh, when we when I was at graduation after I got done graduating we walked to the parking lot pre-ranger and um, that's when she told me that she was pregnant so I was like super excited uh, <laughs> wow talk about emotion yeah. overload <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, super excited, and I went to my platoon sergeant because he he was this. My platoon sergeant was the one that was that initially like took the took the chance on me going to Ranger School. Not a lot of nineteen year olds, eighteen year olds in a conventional army unit get to go to Ranger School at such young age. If you if you go to Ranger Regiment, then you're bound to go to to go to Ranger School. But so I you know my wife told me that, and then I went to uh, my platoon sergeant. I was like, hey, dude, I'm gonna be a dad, like all this shit and uh he was like oh that's awesome and like made me stand up in front of everybody like my whole company was there and he was like hey you know share the good news and in front of everybody i was like yeah man i'm gonna be a dad like all this stuff and uh wow that's so great what a special uh, moment yeah and um so i was feeling really really good and you know going to ranger school with hey i was just on a grad you know i was feeling good about myself and you know i'm about to be a dad like this is it's i'm growing up you know it's yeah just, life changes like, quick huh yeah, it's coming quick and i'm not even <laughs> not even able to have a beer you know at at a, at a restaurant yet and yeah so my goal my goal was to to get a range get my ranger tab before i was 21 that was that was a big a big goal of mine but um so i left went to ranger school and it was pretty much a repeat of pre-ranger you know because we just did pretty much the first phase in pre-ranger so all i had to do was mimic what i did you know and and have that same confidence and stuff like that so the first phase for me was it was pretty it was not easy but i felt comfortable you were prepared yeah yes yeah i felt Mm -hmm. like i was i was fully prepared to take on the challenge of the first phase so um first phase was you know no problem for me i was actually able to help out a lot of guys that didn't get the pre-ranger so because i went to pre-ranger i was able to feel more comfortable and so i could if i wasn't being graded or if i wasn't in in a leadership position then i really took the time to help the person that if he if he was the platoon leader if he was the platoon sergeant or squad leader and i knew that his mos wasn't an infantry background i took the time to help them because Mm -hmm. i knew they were internally freaking out you know i mean i have no idea what i'm doing and, and I was, I was like that in the next phase, but in between Darby, which is phase one and mountains, uh, which is in Dahlonega, Georgia, you get an eight hour pass. And so my wife drove down to, she uh, drove down from Fort Bragg to Georgia to pick me up for this eight hour pass. And when she picked me up, it was awesome. It was like, it was like honeymoon again. Right. And, um, so it was good to see her again. And it was just like, like I said, the honeymoon phase, but we got back to the hotel room that uh, we were just going to hang out at. And she told me that she lost the baby. So 
so you know we're in that hotel room and and it's just you know emotional you know what i mean mm. like i was so excited about you know having having a, a baby with my wife and stuff like that at such a young age and it was not only that but knowing that i wasn't there for her when she was you know getting the medical treatment that she needed mm-hmm. so while i was in that phase she had to get you know a surgery um because she lost a baby and mm-hmm. And I felt guilty, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. and a husband am I like, I'm off here trying to get a piece of cloth when in real life, my wife is like, you know, losing a kid and then having to, to go through this, you know, by herself. Mm-hmm. And so that really like, that hit me hard. Like I couldn't, I had to go back after the eight hours and, and, and then take a, uh, I can't remember if we flew or, or drove a bus, but um, on to the next phase in Delano, Georgia. Well, I couldn't focus like whatsoever yeah. at all. Wow. I, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. And and between phase one of Darby and, and Delonica, Georgia, phase two, it's a big transition. So you're going from squad squad level tactics pretty much to now a platoon. So your squad is only maybe 10 to 12 guys. Well, platoon is 30 to 40. So you're not just going to be in charge of eight to 12 people anymore. You know, you could potentially be in a leadership position of a platoon leader, an officer, or a platoon sergeant, which is, you know, a staff sergeant or above. You're going to be put in those positions, whether you're a private or not. You know what I mean? So you're going to get that. And so on top of, you know, my wife having a miscarriage, on top of having to learn something that I didn't ever know at all. I didn't know platoon tactics at all. You know, it was all brand new to me. At, along with, you know, climbing and rappelling and all that stuff that you do in, in mountain phase, I could not focus whatsoever at mm. all. And, um, you know, I had a, I had an instructor when he was teaching some climbing techniques, he was like, he could tell that I was just straight zoned out. And he was like, dude, do you want to fight me or something? Like, cause I was just staring at him, you know what I mean? And, uh, but you know, in ranger school, you're droning anyways, you're hungry, you're tired. You know what I mean? So he was like, yo, Ranger, like, you got a problem with me? You want to fight me or something? I was just like, dude, you're, you're, you're a dick anyways. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you are, you're not somebody that I would go to for anything. And I knew that, but, you know, he wanted to show his ass and, and try to fight a Ranger student. You know what I mean? Like, I would never, I would never do something like that. You know what I mean? And looking back and it's like, dude, you're an, you're a dipshit for trying to do that. You're an E7, a Sergeant First Class, trying to pick a fight with a, a ranger candidate that you know you he can't do anything you know what i mean like i can't go and square you in the face but if we we're out at the bar or something and we were out in civilian clothes like yeah and so i i got to i got to realize what good leader and a good nco was and i got to realize what a bad um mm-hmm. nco was and leader was but anyway so yeah i could not focus that entire phase and you know when it was my when it was my turn to be i got put we had been lost all day on a on a on an objective like we were it was a long walk i think it was like a 10 to 12 kilometer walk with rucksacks moving in a squad platoon formation and we were all dicked up all day i wasn't even in a leadership position yet i was just like a rifleman and it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were getting close to our objective and you know they stopped switch out leadership they put 19 year old private first class as the uh, platoon leader. So I was, I was an acting officer uh, yeah. uh, for, for this raid middle of the night when everybody has already been droning, hungry, 
and it was on like the side of a mountain that we had. and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was funny because the the dude that, you know, wanted to pick a fight with me, he was he was my grader. And so I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like, I already know that I have a no-go before we even get this thing started. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know why he's my grader. <laughs> and so I like, it was just a complete shit show. It was a completely just terrible. And that completely just demolished all my confidence, you know, because I was, I was that cook back in back in Derby phase that had never been introduced to any, you know, infantry stuff at all. I was doing what they were doing. And that was what even goes first? Like, what do I start with? What do I, who do I in place first? Do I place in security? Like I had no idea because I was not paying attention, you know, to the classes that were going on. I was solely focused on how shitty of a husband I was because mm -hmm. my wife sitting there dealing with, you know, first abortion or not abortion, first miscarriage. And it was just like, God damn, like, what am I doing? You know, is this really worth, you know, being here? But so I got, I got recycled. So my, my mission did not go very good. I got one look and I knew I was a no-go. I knew I was going to recycle. So in my mind, I'm already preparing for that. And there's still a couple more days of patrolling left. And I was feeling sorry for myself, you know? And so end of mountain phase, you know, instructors come out, call off roster numbers. And those are the people that are moving on and they didn't call my roster number. So you go to like the side of the building and you pretty much wait to get counseled on why you, why you didn't pass. And so you get, you get two, two opportunities you get, or you can make two decisions. You can stay and wait out the waiting period until the next phase starts or until the, the new, you know, mountain phase starts with new people or you can quit. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to stay, but I want to talk to my wife first. You yeah. know, I want to, I want to call her and see if she's okay. Like, and see if she needs me, you know what I mean? Man, what a hard, hard decision, yeah. hard place to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they, they really wanted it to be like on the spot. Like, Hey, are you staying? Or are you going? Yeah. And I didn't want to talk about this with the ranger instructors. I didn't want to be like, Oh, feel sorry for me. Like, you know what I mean? But it was reality. It was, this is not because I'm in this school or anything like that. I would, I would be wanting to check up on her no matter what I was doing. And, um, so they gave me the opportunity to make a phone call and like I was in prison or something. Um, they were like, yeah, man, you can, you can call her, do that shitty. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't know about any of this. And so I called her and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm done with this shit. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I just got, just got recycled. Like I've already lost 35 pounds. Like I'm feeling mm -hmm. something. Right. And I was like, like, I just want to come home and, and be with you and take care of you because like, I know that you need me. And she was like, you're not allowed to get in this bed without your ranger tab. Yeah. Yeah. He, wow. He was like, he was like, I know, I know how bad you want this. And I have sat and listened to you, you know, recite the ranger creed in our living room mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over study the ranger handbook, study battle drills, so much preparation that you did to get where you are just to just to quit like that's not that's not who you are that's not my husband that's not like the person that I married mm -hmm. and yeah after that I was like fuck it you wow. know like, yeah that was the push you needed it sounded like yeah 
and I went straight to the straight to the instructors and I was like, yeah, man, my wife said that she's good. Like I was able to get that focus back knowing that my wife was okay and mm-hmm. that she was, you know, she was, she had support, you know what I mean? And it, it, it made me realize that I don't always need to be there. You know, mm-hmm. she got awesome friends, awesome family and stuff like that. Wow. So yep, I went on, I just told them like, Hey, you know, I'm good to go. And the, best freaking NCO that I had met up to that point. He was like a, like a holdover instructor, holdover cadre. And he straight up took the time to teach us everything. Like he started from the basics, started from, you know, squad, went all the way to platoon. And he took hours and hours and hours that he could have been at home. You know, he could have been like, Hey, you know, you guys recycled, you suck. Like, figure it out, you know, study the ranger handbook, but no, this dude's whiteboarding everything, taking us out there doing, you know, practical exercises. And he actually was taking the time to help us out. And so just another dude that influenced me and I don't even, I can't even remember his name, but I will, I will forever remember that dude. Mm-hmm. And he showed me what it was like to be a good NCO, a good non-commissioned officer and, you know, when you become an alchemist officer, you are, you are looked at as a leader. You are, mm-hmm. you are entitled to some sort of leadership. So he, you know, opened my eyes to pretty much make me the way that I am, or just be a contribution of, of the person that I am today. And like I said, I don't even know his name. I can't even remember his name or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, he, he took that time and he really showed me how to be a different NCO. And so mm-hmm. with all of his guidance and all of his um, knowledge, he was, all of us that recycled all had got our tabs. Wow. And, and without him doing that and taking the time, not about like a, maybe half of us would have got our tabs because mm-hmm. we were all, you know what I mean? There was a reason why we got recycled. You know, they don't, they don't just recycle you just for, just for the hell of it. Like mm-hmm. whether you want to accept it or not, like you're getting recycled for a reason. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, there are, you know, certain cases where you could go back and forth about it, but you yeah. know, you got cycled, dude, like, or, or, or girl, like whatever, you yeah. suck it up. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. doesn't just keep going. And, um, so I got, I only got one look, um, as the platoon sergeant in mountains, my second go around. And so a lot of that time that I wasn't being graded, I was passing off that knowledge that mm-hmm. that instructor had told me about yeah. because the, those guys were brand new. You know, they had just got through Darby. A lot of them were in the position that I was where it was like, Hey, we don't know platoon stuff. You know what I mean? Like we don't know platoon tactics. Like, and I mm-hmm. was the to step up and take, like, that was my, yeah. that was yeah. my, I take charge. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That was my to, to become the leader because I had the knowledge. Yeah. I had to get recycled in. And sometimes people be like, Oh, you got recycled, man. Like you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the people that weren't like that, listen to what we were saying and we're better for it. I bet. Yeah. 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 No problem. And, um, that carried on into, into Florida phase. And I got one look in Florida phase as a, as a platoon turn as well. And then I got my go and I could really just focus on helping other people get their go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If if anybody's ever been to rain school, listen to this, you guys all know that, you know, it is, completely up to you and every dude around there to get a go. It's not just one individual. I can do everything. That means I'm going to get a go. Like it's, it's not like Mm -hmm. at all. It is a straight team school. You know what I mean? You, 
you really learn how to incorporate your weakest dude all the way to your your strongest dude. It was just smooth sailing after that guy, after that E7 took the time to really teach us how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that really just opened up my eyes to, hey, if I can do that for other people, then I know that I can change some people's lives and they may not ever remember my name, but they will remember that conversation or that lesson that I taught them. And mm-hmm. so that that is a very big factor of, of the person that I am today. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how one person can have such an impact on your future and how you uh, grow as a leader? It sounds like you experienced both positive leadership at Ranger School and then you had that one NCO that was trying to pick a fight with you who you learned from as well, right? That you, you didn't want to be like him. Yep. It was a good time. Yeah. Awesome. So you graduated Ranger School. You were what, like 19 years old? I was 20. 20, 20 at the yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. yeah I huh. turned, I turned 20 while I was in range school. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So what, what happened in your career following that? So I went back, graduated. I went back to um, the 82nd and uh, I got rid of the machine gun. <laughs> and, uh, there was a new kid there, 18 years old. I was like, yeah, dude, this is yours now. You know? <laughs> Enjoy. But I, I became a machine gun team leader. Okay. So I got promoted to, um, I got a waiver to um, pick up specialist E4 within 18 months. And then, or yeah, I think it was 18 months, 12 to 18 months. I can't remember what the, what the table was. But um, so I got promoted to a specialist, 20 years old, and I was a team leader. And then I stayed there for, I don't know, a couple months. And then my platoon sergeant, got a job as a platoon sergeant with the scout scout guys, the recon guys. So he went over there and then he asked me to come over there like shortly after that. And so, but it wasn't, Hey, you know, I know you, you can come over here. Now I had to go through a selection and I had to go through pretty much pre-ranger again to, because that's what, that's what we, that's what they based their, whether or not you had a ranger tab and whether or not you could, you could go to ranger school was their kind of criteria to you being able to go to a recon. And so I had to go through pretty much like a week, a condensed version of pre-ranger just to go to, to recon. So, Oh, wow. It didn't stop after I got, yeah, it was was like, Hey dude, good job. Now I'm going to crush your nuts. (laughs) So I, I got to the recon unit and was just a, a, a team leader in there. We were doing all sorts of uh, different stuff that you don't get to do in, in a regular unit. So I stayed there for a little while, uh, met some freaking awesome dudes. And, uh, and then I was like, you know what? It's time to really like step up. You know, it's time to, to do something different. But I couldn't because of my GT score. So mm-hmm. because of my bad score. What and- do you think was it that made you want to like really push further or decide it was time to step up? So within the time that I was in the 82nd, I went to a exercise called Jade Helm. And um, it's pretty much what, uh, an unconventional warfare exercise um, in, in the United States where SF guys and special forces guys, Green Berets, get to try to put together a scenario that would be realistic in, in, their, in their environment, the, the places they would go to. I had no idea about SF at this point. Like I knew Green Berets, I knew Special Forces, but I was I was just like everybody else where I just thought that it was, you know, kicking in doors and they got to do just a bunch of high speed stuff where they were just mobbing everywhere. And so we linked up. I was a 
guerrilla force or a, a, a G force, a partner force for this SF team and um, spent about a month with them in the woods. It was absolutely amazing. Like that is what SF is supposed to be like. It was a, it was a senior dive team and they were just insane. Like not only did they just knowledge was like infinite. You didn't, they, it's not, I couldn't ask them something that they didn't know, you know, and it didn't even have to be about shooting or, or army stuff. Like it was real life lessons that they were teaching us. And after the month, me and my buddy, Andrew, we were like, dude, that is what we need to be a part of. Like, I'm not saying that the conventional force or anything bad at all, but you will find yourself in a repetitive cycle. You get new guys all the time. You get, you know, new NCOs all the time and those people leave and then you get new guys. So you have to teach, kind of teach the same thing over and over and over and over and over, which is good. You know, I'm not saying that's bad at all, but for me and and the way that I am, I needed to get away from that. And these guys showed, showed me that there was a complete different part of the army. And that was being a Green Beret, being SF. Mm -hmm. So we finished that, that exercise with, with the dive team. And we got back to the 82nd and about a week later, um, I walked down to the, walked down to the recruiters and I was like, Hey, you know, I just spent a month in the woods with these freaking dive dudes. And I was like, they, like, this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like I want to be around those type of guys. I want to do that. And I was probably 21 at this point. And yeah, two weeks later, freaking going to selection, you know? Wow. And yeah. It was like, cause I was like, Hey, when is your, when is your um, next class? And they're like, you want to go to the next class? And they're like, yeah. Like, what do I need to do to get to the next class? And it was this huge packet, you know, physical, all this stuff. But that is what I knew that if I didn't do this right now, something could come up. Mm -hmm. We could go, we could get called, you know, to go do humanitarian aid or if a war popped off, you know, we could go, we could be called. And then I'm having to put this on the back burner. So mm -hmm. I was, I took that chance. I was like, I will go in the next two weeks. Like, I don't care what wow. do you just like. Just let me know what I need to do and I'll get the packet together. And thank God my platoon sergeant was completely on board with it. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, yes, like, I think you need to do this. Either you need to do this or you need to go to Ranger Regiment. One of the two. And so he could see in you that you were made for that type of lifestyle. Yeah. 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 And so when I went back to him and I was like, hey, you know, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. He was he was completely for it, you know, wow. and that is huge. If you are a if you are in a leadership position, team leader, squad leader, platoon sergeant, and your soldier wants to go above and beyond, he wants to go a different route, he wants to career progress, you are a terrible leader if you try to persuade him not to do that. Mm -hmm. If you try to tell him, oh, he's not, they'll never pick you, bro. So, you know, you're not what they're looking for. You know what I mean? And I mm -hmm. see it all the time. Yeah, me too. And thank God I did not have that, you know. Thank God I was, I was brought up the right way, you know, and, and I had good NCOs that taught me what it was like, but, and I hate hearing that a dude gets old that, you know, you're not what they're looking for. Like you won't be able to, you won't be able to pass this. Like you're, you're just not it. Like, Oh really, bro. That's why you're stuck where you are. You know? <laughs> and that's why you are who you are because you feed off of trying to, pretty much degrade somebody that wants to do good things. You know what I mean? Like it is no problem 
all that somebody wants to career progress. And yeah. and that's another reason why I started this whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah. So what would you say if someone's trying to get their packet ready for selection? Um, do you have any tips or, or anything that you did that worked really well? Obviously it worked for you. <laughs> yeah. So I've tried to put together like a, uh, like a six week prep, you know, for, for the physical portion. And so I pieced that together. So if anybody is, is looking for a prep or, or wants to try something new, maybe they've tried preps before for a selection or, or a ranger school or whatever, I put together something and, and um, you can check it out and, and just let me know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Let people know where to find it. Yeah. They can just go, go on to right now. We don't have it like published, so I can't put it on the site for people to buy it. It's, it's going through the publish, publishing part. But what I can do is like, if, if anybody gets a hat or a shirt, pretty much that's doing two things. It's getting you the, the packet, the prep, and then it's giving us a chance to get our, get our brand out there and get, get a small business veteran owned, you know, business out there. So when you're wearing, you know, one of our shirts that we made, you know, it, it represents, you know, the alpha country, which is, and you're not only representing that, but you're also following, you know, somebody's program that is not just made up, but actually followed, you know, mm-hmm. I did exactly those things. I had to go back and, and find these pieces of paper that I would write the workouts on and go to the gym. With. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, there's a lot of ones that I would, you know, do and then just throw away. Cause I'd be like, that fucking sucked, you know? <laughs> And I was like, I do not want to do that again. And, but I found, I had to go through my stuff and, and piece everything together. It was, it was crazy. I had just like nasty pieces of paper everywhere, trying to read what the workout said, just so I could put it, put it back together and make something that people could have, you know, to, um, not only like do themselves, but see that, Hey, this, this, this is what worked for this guy. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not saying going to work for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, because there's, you, you already know there's strong dudes, there's fast runners, you know, everybody has their, their specialty and pretty that program, it was my best way to try to incorporate all of those aspects, being strong and being fast. And I would reach out to guys that I knew could run fast and I would ask them what they did to get to where they are. I would also ask guys who could bench and squat and deadlift a shit ton that, Hey, what did you guys do? What was your, you know, what program did you follow? And I would pick from those programs, pick from those people that were doing stuff. Sometimes they would hand me, Hey, this was the workout that I did. And then, then I would do it. And so, um, I just pieced all that stuff together and to to make a, a six week prep that way. If, um, if I'm not personally there with you to, to talk about, like, all I need to do is just shoot you this email or when we get it published, we'll put it up on the, on the alpha countries. So awesome. putting your packet together, it's the hardest part, you know, because it's not really up to you. It is at, at a certain point, but especially with like um, everything that's going on, the medical stuff is, is pushed back. Right. So you can't like when I, when I was putting my packet together, I could walk straight into there and be like, Hey, I need this lab done, blah, 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 blah all right, well, you, you want to wait around and yeah, I'll wait around for two hours. Well, you can't do that right now. You know what I mean? Like that's the systems are just so backed up and stuff like that. But, um, 
but yeah, the, the hardest part is getting all those labs done, the physical portion, um, getting all that stuff for your packet is the hardest part. And then, but for me, um, I not only had to put that packet together, but I had to retake my ASVAB too. So I had to get that GT score of over 110. And so I got, I got a 113 after retaking it. And so I had to do all that stuff within, within these two weeks. Wow. Um, to, to really get my opportunity or else if I may not have that opportunity again. Mm-hmm. And so, like so I said, luckily I had a great on... platoon sergeant that was, that was willing to give me that time to go take care of that and get to that next level. Cause he's like, he knew, and he told me, he's like, if you can just get this and get there yeah. and get to selection, you'll be fine. And so he was like, I'll give you the time that you need, whatever you need to do to get your packet together do your, do a train up, whatever you want to do, man. Like I'm giving you that opportunity to do that. And if he wouldn't have done that, I would probably not be here. Wow. You know, I would be, I'd probably be doing something else. I probably would have got out because my opportunity would have missed, would have been missed. And then I would have been like a lot of guys and just been fed up with the, with the, with the process and, and the games. Yeah. And I would have just got out, but yeah. thank God he, he allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you but, took full advantage of uh, your opportunity right there. I would say for, you know, trying to get your packet together, really, there's only so much that you can control, you know. Everybody has to fill out the same stuff. You know, everybody has to get a physical. Everybody has to pass a PT test. Everybody has to do all the same stuff to get there. And so you can't say that people haven't done it, you know. Everybody can – everybody's situation is different, but – everybody is required to have the same exact stuff to get there. You know, you have to, you have to do what everybody else is doing, whether it's a prep, you have to prep and you have to get a packet together. You have to know what you're getting yourself into as well. Like, and that's, that's going to be a big thing is like, if you are thinking about going to selection or you are thinking about going to ranger school, don't just rely on the internet to tell you everything, you know, don't Mm -hmm. just rely on, Oh, what if I Google, you know, what is ranger school stuff like that? Like, you can't, you need, that's why I started this. So the, so that you could reach out to me, guys, just like me that are, mm-hmm. that are way, that are just, I've been doing this way longer and, and, and way better at it than, than I am. That's what we're here for. So mm-hmm. don't feel weird about hitting somebody up and like, Hey, so-and-so I'm, I'm interested in, in becoming a green beret or, or going to ranger school or whatever. But I will tell you this, get the basic stuff first. You have to go through basic training. You have to go to airborne school. Mm-hmm. If you are only thinking about being a Green Beret and thinking that you're going to be able to come off the street and just get your Green Beret in a couple months, it's not even close to reality. And you are going to be, you're going to be depressed because that's not how it's going to work out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what are they in for? Tell us about... Um selection and how the qualification course went for you selection is it's a different animal i wouldn't say that the first week was was the first i guess sorry let's describe it for people that may not know exactly uh, what we're talking about when we say selection so selection um in this case is referring to sfas special forces assessment selection and that is um, the initial pretty much introduction to becoming a Green Beret. Everybody has to 
go through a selection and it is it gives you the opportunity to show instructors and and show future team members what you have those instructors and those cadre that are your selection cadre and um when you go on to the special force qualification course after you get selected those are the guys that you're going to be working with when they get done with their instructor Mm -hmm. time so that's who is watching you from the minute you get into selection you are already being assessed by the people that you're going to work with so these aren't just ranger instructors that are you know that are just doing this and doing their time and and just being a ranger instructor you know what i mean that's all i care about because and we may never see each other after ranger school ever but you are going to be assessed by the people that you're going to be working with so if you make an ass of yourself you're going to be remembered and if you make it all the way through and you show up to your your group you don't you you're probably not going to remember that person that that instructor that cadre but he's going to remember you you know mm-hmm. what i mean so you're getting yourself straight into the community right away and your reputation starts right there right when you show up to selection that reputation that you um show as as yourself is going to carry you throughout your whole career people don't forget what happens during selection and you will run into everywhere you go. If there's SF dudes there, you will run into somebody that, you know, it's mm-hmm. the community is tiny and nobody forgets anything. We remember everything throughout the whole cute, the whole qualification course every selection. Like, you know, it's silly, but we talk about selection stories all the time. You know, it's, it's just normal. And if you have a bad reputation, if you start out with a bad reputation, like it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like you, you are, you're going to have that because the community is so small, Mm -hmm. but so you get in, um, you're being graded and being assessed by people that you're going to work with in the future. And, um, it's about 21 to 28 days. I can't remember exactly. Don't quote me, but, um, it's about three to four weeks. And, um, what you're going to be doing is, physical events so you're running you're rucking um you're swimming you're land navigation um you're going to be doing all those gates that i was talking about earlier um but you're going to be you're going to be doing all these physical activities throughout the entire process and um you're not going to be getting counseled as you would in ranger school where it was like you get talked to like hey you did this good you did this bad you don't get any of that you are, they are strictly there to watch you, assess you and not give you any feedback. So you don't know whether you're doing good or whether you're doing bad. You just have to be yourself. You know, you have to be yourself and you have to do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's well, kind of, that's kind of how I looked at it. Well, how would you say someone could uh, leave a good reputation? Like, I know you said your reputation is everything. So what would be some key things you said would to, to leave that good reputation and not put a bad taste in anybody's mouth? Um, being a team player. Like if you, if you're all about getting, so if you, if you go to selection, just like I'm here to get my green beret, I'm here to get a green beret and I'm here to get this foot, this special force tab, you know, and, and show off that I got a bunch of tabs and I'm, and I'm a cool guy. Your reputation's shit. It's going to be garbage. And, but if you go in there as a team player, and you already know you're going to get selected, right? You have that mindset. I will get selected because I'm going to do absolutely everything that I possibly can 
And I know that when I'm doing a physical event, I'm going to give it 110%, no matter what. If you go in there with confidence that, hey, I know that I'm going to perform when, when it's time for me to perform, then you know, you're going to be all right. But to get that good reputation is going to be, what did you do for others to help them out? You know, what did you, what did you do to help somebody um, that was down? And it doesn't even have to be like, oh, I carried his thing. It could literally just be, I see him kind of struggling and I see he's kind of lost. Let me help him out. Like I already knew how to do land navigation pretty well. I had already proved to myself and a lot of people that, you know, I knew land navigation. Well, I met this guy in in selection that was, he was a prior neurosurgeon and he was lost. Like, especially like it was land nav and I could tell that he was lost. And I was like, yo dude, like, what's up? Like you, you look lost. (laughs) I think I told him, I was like, you look like you're super confused. He's like, yeah, dude, I am. (laughs) And then we got, we got to talking and I got to, got to know the dude after, after I explained some land navigation, found out that he was a, a neuro, uh, a neurosurgeon or a neuroscientist that from, from John Hopkins. Wow. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just saw a dude. I just saw a dude that was, that was like lost Mm -hmm. and, it didn't, I don't care who you are. You know what I mean? And I've put that on, I put that on my posts and stuff like that on Mm -hmm. Instagram. And and I really do mean that I don't give a shit who you are. I don't give, I don't give a shit what you look like. Yeah. I don't give a shit what your past is. Like, I don't care if you, if you need help, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that carried on after selection. I, I saw him a couple years later and he was like the general's neurosurgeon or something like that. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, like he had gotten, and and I didn't know that that was going to happen, you know. And it was like, damn. Yeah, you made an important never connection. Made connection. Mm-hmm. If I would have been like, I'm just here for myself. You know, that dude's lost. <laughs> he can stay lost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But no, it was like I saw an opportunity to be a leader, even though I wasn't being graded. Right. I wasn't yeah. being. You're assessed. on the woods by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't <laughs> need to be in a leadership position or anything to be a leader you know, or to help somebody out. That's exactly right. So the, so teamwork, helping others, even when no one's watching, uh, that's such an important lesson. And it sounds like you've done that throughout, you know, you're into everything that you've mentioned so far, pre-ranger, ranger selection. uh, You've always thrived when you're got kind of over that hump and were able to help others, uh, which I think is just such an important trademark of a good leader. And it, it seems like you think that way too. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I grew up like that. Like, you know, my, my parents would sometimes, you know, make fun of me. Cause it's like, I would, my, my good friends and a lot of the guys I hung out with were not doing the right thing. Right. And I would almost like take them under my wing to kind of show them. I mean, we do bad stuff together and don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But when it was time to like talk about life and like real life stuff, I would try to help them out. You know what I mean? And I needed help myself, but um, I just grew up like that. You know, yeah. I grew up just trying to help others. And I'm definitely not saying I'm, I'm not the perfect person whatsoever at all. I have done terrible shit, you know, but there's one thing that no matter what I do, I will always like help somebody out if they need it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's anything, it does not matter. And that's how, that's how I was raised. You know, you can make mistakes, you can make, you can, you can hurt a lot of people, but you know, if you are willing to, to help somebody out, no matter what, no matter what they look like, no matter who they are, it doesn't matter. 
um, then you're going to, your reputation that we were talking about is going to be awesome, you know, Mm -hmm. and people are going to remember you that they're going to remember you for stuff like that rather than, Oh, he deadlifted 500 pounds. Right. Like, remember, oh my goodness. You know yeah. I mean? mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause you're, you can find that anywhere. Yeah. You know, but you can't, it's so hard to find somebody that is, that is like really popular or is very well known. It's hard to find somebody that sticks to being how they were before. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. like for me, you know, I've gotten Ranger tab, I've gotten SF tab, I've, mm-hmm. you know, done a lot of stuff in, in, in the military, but Everybody that I talk to that I grew up with, they don't notice a change. They say that mm-hmm. they say that I've grown up and I've matured and stuff like that, but I'm able to keep those connections because I didn't change. You know, I stayed with that same mentality of you help others, others will help you, you know, mm-hmm. and that has gotten me a long, long ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think helping people gets you so much further than just raw talent. Like you said, mm-hmm. uh, nobody really remembers that, at least um, personally. The, like you said, you remember the leaders that took the time to to help you and pass on their knowledge. And even though you might have been nobody at the time, you know, yeah. PFC, he didn't know you from uh, any other PFC. But yeah. um, that's so great. Do you see that in the SF community, like that helpfulness that you described? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been on one team, so all I know is my team. Okay. Um, but I can tell you every single team member that I have is just like that. Wow. Yeah. So it's, I was, I was put in, I was put on the right team, you know, for me and every single one of, one of the guys I work with are just like that. All we care about is, you know, helping other, other people out, you know, and, and a lot of it, the only kind of opportunity a lot of guys get just cause they're so busy outside of this is, is going to the range with like a, um, a support personnel or something like that, yeah. but mm-hmm. they still get that opportunity to, you know, be different. And my whole team and pretty much, I would say a lot of the guys that I've met in SF are like that. And that could just be because I kind of gravitate towards guys that are like that. And so if I kind of notice that you're not like that, then I don't even really get myself involved with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I like to surround myself that surround myself with people that are just like me and that have that same or not like me, but, you know, have that like-minded, you know, mentality of, Hey, people look at us as like, we're, you know, cool guys and stuff like that, but we don't look at ourselves that way. You know, mm-hmm. we look at ourselves as just normal dudes that took a, took an opportunity that was there and, you know, and here we are, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we don't do, you can ask any SF dude, like, we don't do this shit for the money. Like, yeah, we get, we get paid a little bit more. We get special incentives and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but we don't do it for the money. We do it for the experience that you get to have with your friends, with the guys on your team yeah, and all the places that you get to go with your team. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just you individually. It's who you get to go experience all this stuff with. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's awesome. You know, it's amazing. It's the amount of memories that I've had and making with these guys is just, it's freaking awesome. I never thought when I, you know, was going to join SF that, that this is how it was going to be because I didn't have, I didn't have that person. Um, I didn't have a social media or anything to reach out to guys that, you know, were in my, were in my shoes back then, um, to reach out to them and be like, Hey, you know, what am I getting myself into and stuff like that. And and that's just another, another reason why I've opened this, opened this Mm -hmm. door up for somebody that needs, you know, a door to go through, you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, you're extending your leadership past your group and into the general community for people to uh, come to you for help, which is super admirable. Um, I definitely want to hit on a special forces qualification course, uh, right? Um, could you briefly describe what that is for people that maybe may not know or may be interested in special forces, but want to know a little yeah. bit more about it? Yeah. So, so after, um, after selection, SFAS, special forces assessment selection, um, you will get told whether or not you got selected or not selected. And if you get selected, you move on to, um, the next step, uh, which is the SFQC special forces qualification course. I don't know exactly, you know, you hear rumors all the time that things change and stuff like that, but I will just explain to you what my experiences was like. I don't know what it's like right now. Um, but and what year did you go through? What's that? What year were you, did you go through? 2015. Okay. Okay. Um, so from what I knew before I got into it, it was a two-year process. And you find out what your new MOS is. So you can be a weapons guy. Um, you can be a demolition guy. You can be a medic guy. Uh, medical personnel and you can be a communications guy and guy or guy but you find that out when you get selected so you'll get hey i got selected this is what the, this is what your mos is going to be and so you kind of start getting in that mentality of like hey if i'm if i got um, an 18 delta which is special forces medical sergeant um if i got that mos i should probably lean forward and start learning some medical stuff right yeah, yeah. so it's for me, it was two years long and, uh, phase one was introduction to unconventional warfare. And we got to go out with, we got to go out with the candidates that were at the last phase of special forces qualification course, which is called Robin Sage. So we got to go out there and be their partner force while we ran, while we ran missions. So you got that look to see what the very last phase was when you just started. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So, so you get to see what it's like. And so you, you go out there for like a week or two and, um, and then you come back and there's always a little break, like a one or two week break in between phases. Um, sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but after introduction to unconventional warfare, you kind of have that idea of what, um, UW is what, what you'll hear a lot. Unconventional warfare. You'll find out what UW is all about. Mm-hmm. And then um, you'll go to uh, small unit tactics, which is nothing but a condensed version of Ranger School in my eyes. So having that Ranger tab and having that Ranger experience is not only going to help you and set you up for success, but you're getting another opportunity to help somebody out with the knowledge that you have. So I knew small unit tactics like the back of my hand because I had done pre-Ranger, I had done Ranger School. I had done practically a pre-ranger to get into the recon unit, right? Yeah. And and then that's and then think about all the times that I was in the eighty second teaching battle drills, teaching squad platoon level tactics. So when I got to SUT, it was just another opportunity for me to help somebody else out. You know, mm-hmm. I knew I was confident that it didn't matter what what scenario I got thrown into. If they were putting me in a leadership position, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And so I could, and it it wasn't like I was cocky, like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. Like, Oh, let's go. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just, I was, I was a quiet guy when it was time for me to focus on my performance. But then I opened up when 
it was time for me to help somebody else out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I'm getting graded, I may not be the most talkative person because I'm, you know, I'm focused. You know what I mean? It's my time to focus on just me and my grade. And then when I'm not being graded, it's my time to focus on your grade. You know, mm-hmm. what can I do to help you out? Yeah. You know? And that's what I took that opportunity in, in SUT, uh, it's volume of tactics as, Hey, you're going to be fine. You're going to get through this phase. Let's see how many people you can help get through this phase. You know, let's see how many dudes tell you, yeah, dude, like if you weren't there, I would have been fucked. You know, I would, like I would have, I would have probably not got my go. Um, that's, let's try that. And, and so I took that SUT and, and I had so much fun with it. It was like six to eight weeks long and it was just nothing but just chaos, but it was fun. Um, and you do the same things in, in SUT that you do in ranger school. So ambush raids, battle drills, patrolling, stuff like that. Um, so after a small unit tactics, you go to, um, survival school, which is called SEER. It uh, stands for survive, evade, resist, and escape. You go, sometimes you get, like I said, sometimes you get a week, two weeks, but you can also go straight from small unit tactics, get Saturday, Sunday off and start SEER. Wow. survival school on Monday. Yeah. So all that weight, all that weight that you lost in small unit tactics is going to keep losing Oof. because you're going to see, or you're going to survival school. Mm-hmm. So it was, you. it's, it's an experience. Just, yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> and a lot of people have different ways that they deal with it. And you're going to, you're going to see that it's going to get exposed. You're going to get exposed to being very, 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 very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what, that's what your life is going to be like in SF. You're going to be put in uncomfortable positions. You have to figure out how to adapt to that and how to be comfortable in an uncomfortable position. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, that's what SEER and survival school is really going to teach you. Cause you know, let's be honest. You don't really remember a lot of this stuff yeah. because you're so tired. You're so hungry. You don't remember all the lessons that they teach you, but we know that, you know, everybody knows that. So after, after you get done with SEER survival school, you'll go to, um, I went to my 18 Bravo, which is special forces weapon sergeant course. And it's about, I think three to three to four months, I believe. And that was amazing. I got to learn, um, pretty much every U S weapon system, every foreign weapon system, and I got to shoot every gun that I could possibly think of. <laughs> um, I got to learn all about mortars. I had never, never done anything with mortars. Um, and mortars is just pretty much indirect fire capability. You get to learn all that. And then you do a field training exercise at the end to kind of incorporate. So that field training exercise is going to be raids, ambushes, battle drills, so you can see this pattern mm-hmm. and we call, we call those the basics, like your battle drills, your small unit tactics. Those are the basics. And I can promise you that no matter how far you get in special forces, you will always, always be going back to those basics. You will always be going back to teaching small unit tactics, teaching the basic level um, stuff, no matter what. You will always be doing that and mm-hmm. you will always be training on it because that's what makes SF so good is the way that they can 
train. It's just one reason why they can train and adapt to training people that can't understand them, can't understand their language. Well, how am I going to be able to explain to you? Maybe I have to just use hand gestures or something like that if I don't know what I'm even talking about. So if I haven't perfected the basics of small unit tactics or basics of battle drills, I'm going to be a lost puppy when I'm trying to teach somebody that, you know, doesn't know anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so three to four months of, um, weapons for me. And then a two week exercise of doing again, small unit tactics. And then once I finished that, um, went to, uh, had about a week or two and got prepared for the culmination exercise, uh, which is Robin Sage. And it is very, very similar to what I experienced when I was in the 82nd, when we went to that, um, unconventional warfare, um, exercise called Jade Helm. So it was, I had kind of already, I kind of knew what we were going to get, um, what we were going to be situations that we're going to be put in and how this was an unconventional way of thinking. And you couldn't just go just straight off your first thought. You had to really think about your act, like what your actions were going to do, not only to you, but you know, to the, the culture and the environment around you. You know, if you, if you just go, you know, there's a, there's a checkpoint or something and you just go like pretty much, this is a scenario, but just go kill everybody at that checkpoint because it's a bad guy checkpoint you know, what did you do for the environment around you? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? What did you put, you know, what are, what is, what are the Americans faces going to be known as killers? Right. So, you know, it's just stuff like that, that you have Mm -hmm. to really think about what are your, what are your second and third world order effects of, of what you're doing? How are you going to affect not only you, but you know, the civilians or the other, the team that's coming in after you, you know, Mm -hmm. if you make a bad reputation for your team, then it's, you know, that next team coming in, that country is going to hate them and they didn't even do anything yet. So yeah. it's, it's stuff like that, that you get exposed to and that they, they teach you about in Robin Sage. And then, um, after Robin Sage, you go to language, which is uh, about six months and I learned Portuguese. Okay. So you can learn so many different languages like that. You know, I, I struggled with Portuguese cause you know, I, I tried to, I tried to learn Spanish in, in high school and stuff like that. And, and I didn't take serious, but then I was like, you know, when I got to language, it was a big eye opener of like, all right, dude, you are not a, you are not a sit in the classroom type of guy. And that was a big struggle for me. So, um, I didn't, I didn't really feel like I struggled too much until like throughout the whole uh, qualification course, because it was nothing but physical activities, and and being able being out in the wild pretty much and doing doing stuff with your friends and um when it came down to language it was like hey you're gonna stay in this room for like six to eight hours a day listening to somebody that is speaking a different language and has a different whole whole different outlook on life you know Mm -hmm. the whole entire time we we were being graded by people that were going through what we were going through you know they they've already done it well then you get this, you know, teacher that is not even in the military. Yeah, has no has idea. No idea yeah. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they're getting, you know, mad because you're not learning this language and taking it super serious. And it's like, we just got done a year and a half, two years of just being out in the woods, being out, losing weight, you know, recovering and stuff like that. Like to come in here and sit in a in a in a classroom for six to eight hours is 
super hard for, I would say everybody, you know, yeah. because we're mm-hmm. just so used to being out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, you six to eight hours a day for about six months. And then you take your, um, oral proficiency, um, interview. Um, so you get on the phone with, um, straight up random person and you have a conversation and they pretty much grade you whether you're you know good at that language or not mm-hmm. and and then once you get once you get a, uh, a good enough grade or if you get a good enough grade on the first one then um you go to you graduate you know mm-hmm. you get your you get you get your beret and um for me we got to right after graduation we uh got to go to military free fall school. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, so we like right out the gate, like graduated, got done with language. And I think two weeks later I was um, on my way to Yuma, Arizona and then got done with free fall and got back from Arizona, uh, back to Fort Bragg and, um, started out processing. And then, then I was in, I was in group, you know? Yeah. So, wow. That's quite the journey. Uh, yeah through all your ups and downs, you've really truly been through it and risen to each of the levels that you've aimed for. So what do you think are the characteristics that you embody that have helped you endure and get past all these gates that so many people fail? Uh, Selection and ranger school, like you said, uh, pre-ranger, you were one of four out of 107 that passed. So what do you think is it that you embody that helps you kind of get through those blocks? Um. That's like such, that's such a hard question for me because I just don't, you know, like I, I know that I'm, I know that I'm different, right? I know I have kind of a different outlook on, on things than a lot of people do. Um, and that's for multiple reasons, you know, there could be a reason why that person doesn't have the, the same outlook because maybe he had a bad experience in, in some sort of way. But I would say um, the biggest thing that I truly really tried to focus on this whole entire process was just adapting to what environment I was in, you know, because mm. if I can't adapt, then, you know, I'm just going to be flapping in the wind. You know what right. I mean? Like if I, if I can't adapt to the situation or if I, if I'm so used to talking to, um, you know, 25, 30 year olds, and then I get in this situation where I'm talking to a 50 year old dude, that's just disgruntled with life and everything, you know, I need to be able to adapt and still get, my objective, you know, accomplished. So what do I, what am, what do I need out of this conversation? What am I trying to get? Well, if I don't adapt to, you know, how I word things or how I talk to him or, you know, different kind of eye contact or, you know, something yeah, that I can't accomplish my mission. Right. right. And if I don't adapt to my buddy's struggling, he's cramping up. If I can't adapt to, Hey, I'll take 20 pounds off your ruck. I'll take this ammo. And I can't adapt to that physically because I didn't prepare for, for that, then I'm going to fail and other people are going to fail. So mm-hmm. it was, it's really just adapting to getting in really good shape and then going to a phase and having to start over, you know, like you really have to start over when you get back. Cause you just went through small unit tactics and sear, you lost 30, 40 pounds and you can't curl more than, you know, 10 pounds. You know what I mean? Like that is hard, you know, that is really hard for people to, to maintain that, that motivation and, and drive because you're starting over every time you get back from a phase from, um, you know, deployments, you know, not all the time there's going to be a gym and, 
and you may be so busy that you can't go to the gym or you can only eat one time a day. Mm-hmm. You're constantly having to adapt to a different environment. And that's what I loved about SF is because you never feel complacent. You know, you never feel throughout the whole Q course, uh, the whole qualification course and throughout selection, like you don't feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's always different. Yeah. So I would say, I would say being adaptable is being adaptable and being coachable is the big, mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And okay. cause it's like, if you come in if, like, uh, let's just say that you're um, you've been a, a two gun shooting competitor or three gun shooting competitor, or you shoot all the time in your off time and you get selected as an 18 Bravo special forces weapon sergeant, same as me. If you get selected and you go to, and if you go to um, the, the MOS portion and you walk in there and you're like, dude, I've been shooting guns for my whole life. You know, I know this, you are going to fail. Because you are not willing to adapt and be coached in a different way. You know, you're like, whatever, dude, like I can, I can hit every target or I can shoot 10 out of 10 or 40 out of 40 on, uh, you know, uh, uh, army marksmanship test or whatever. And you go in there with that mentality that you're just the shit and you just think that you're, you already know what's going on. You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Like there's one, that is 100%. We will find a way to get you out. If all you do is think that, A, you think that you're a Green Beret because you got selected and you start showing an ass of yourself and, you know, and just doing just crazy stuff and thinking that you're that you're just the man now or the woman or whatever because you got a Green Beret, like you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say um, adapting to any any situation, being able to have that that feature and, and, and that characteristic is going to be huge. It's a big thing that that we look for. And, and just being coachable, you know, if, yeah. if you show up to a team or you show up to uh, the Q course or selection and you're ready to learn and your, your mind is already open to accept, you know, new knowledge and stuff like that, then you're going to succeed because you open the, open your mind up, let that knowledge flow in and then process it at your own pace and then apply it, you know, see, watch what people do with that, with that knowledge. Do they learn from their mistakes, learn from, oh, damn, they did that really good. You know what I mean? And if you're like that and you pay attention um, and you observe what other people are doing around you to kind of persuade you and what your your next step is going to be, you're going to be good. You know what I mean? And you can only do that by being a team player and opening yourself up and being coachable. You know, are you willing to take advice? If you're not, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. I love that. So being adaptable, coachable, and overall a team player are yes. three things you've really had on uh, through this whole interview. Consistently, it sounds like those have been keys to your success throughout yes. your career. Yeah. That's so great. So uh, lastly, tell us about your business and um, kind of what your mission is, what you guys sell, and and where people can find you. Yeah, so this is um, – you know, I'm, I'm still an active duty, uh, green beret and, mm-hmm. um, my wife is a professional photographer. Oh, okay. So she does, you know, she does a uh, couple sessions, uh, pretty much any, you know, boudoir, whatever, I don't even know how you say it, wedding photos, all sorts of things. Um, so both of us are kind of right now, um, 
focused on, I'm, I'm focused on getting, you know, um, all, you know, surgeries and, and MRIs and stuff done. Um, I'm focused on getting my medical stuff, you know, taken care of, um, you know, so that I can be the dad that I want to be when I get out, you know, so I can do the stuff that I want to do with my kids. And my wife is, is focused on, um, you know, her photography business and stuff like that. But we wanted to have something together. And, um, I had seen my wife, uh, try to, you know, work with other companies that were kind of brand or selling clothes and stuff like that. And so I knew that that was an interest of hers. And, um, you know, I would, I would kind of see, you know, my buddies talking about how they would start, um, you know, just on the side making like wood flags or burning wood flags or stippling a pistol or something like that. And, um, I have always been interested in like starting my own like clothing brand, you know? And so, um, where we came up with the name is my last deployment. Um, one of our partner force members, um, just, loved America. Like he had, we were his like 20th something SF team, special force team that he had worked with. He had worked with like five SEAL teams and stuff like that. And this dude wanted nothing to do, um, but to be in, in America, you know, and, um, all this stuff that he would tell me about, you know, that he knows goes on in America and, and, um, just like the mentality that um, the United States has, he like no shit called it. And I didn't even know if he knew what alpha meant, but he was like, he said that you guys are all, you guys are all alphas. And I was like, <laughs> how does this dude even know what that means? And he, one day um, he was like, you, you helped me to get to uh, the country of alphas or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> That's so you know, great. it didn't hit me like while I was there, but then when I got back, you know, I was talking, talking to my wife about, you know, starting all this and, and, um, she was the one, she had remembered that story that I told her and, and she was like, what about, you know, the alpha country? And then I woke up the next morning and she had made all these designs and stuff like that. And, and we wanted to incorporate, we wanted to incorporate, you know, the SF special force community or special operations community. And, um, so you know, we, we came up with this, with this idea. We got, um, we got going with the, with the whole um, legal standpoint, trademarking it and all that. And then we were ready to, you know, make, uh, get our products made. And, um, we wanted to keep everything within the special operations community, not just green berets, but, you know, seals, CCTs, pararescue men, um, Marine Raiders, anything, you know, we wanted to connect with, um, soft personnel, special operations forces personnel that either were active duty or got out and started a small business making, you know, t-shirts, making hats, making patches, making whatever. Um, so I reached out to, um, other soft, you know, veteran or active duty owned businesses and, and had some, had these, these hats made, um, had beanies made, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was really selective on, on what, I'm, I'm a very big guy of like quality over quantity. So mm -hmm. I wasn't going to just find the first place and be like, Oh yeah, you guys can make me hats. You guys can make me shirts. Like, Oh yeah, that's, that's what I want. And then, and then other people worry about, well, you know, I want to get these shirts for $10 and sell them for $20. So I make $10 a piece. Well, I told, I told my wife um, that I was like, dude, I don't even care about making money. You know, I just think that it would be awesome to have a brand that 
um, you know, people can support you um, and you can support them as well. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause that's mm-hmm. how, if you're wearing, if you're wearing anything, um, a hat, shirt, a beanie, I promise you that we have had a conversation, you know, every person that has, um, bought something from, um, from the site or anything, we have had a legit conversation about life, about selection, about, you know, marriage, um, being a dad, being all this stuff. And with everything going on, we just thought, you know, the name, the alpha country can maybe, you know, change somebody's, you know, outlook when they wake up every day, like, Hey, don't forget that we live in, in this country that people think is a dream. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this, um, my, my partner for this guy, he literally Mm -hmm. like, he thinks America is just the freaking best thing in the world. You know what I mean? And we forget that, you know, because we, because we live here and we experience it. And then when stuff starts to go wrong, we forget how awesome this place is, you know, and how much opportunity, like they don't even know what a bar is. They don't even, they don't, they don't know what um, a public swimming pool is. They don't, they don't know what feeling like going to a park and playing with your kids on a playground feels like. They don't, they don't know any of that. They don't even, they don't even know that it, 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 it exists. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's very easy to fall in this, like, um, I don't know, maybe you can help me out with the word, but like, almost like feel entitled to living in America. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, you know, we, we opened this thing up and, and named it the way that it is because we want people when they read you know the alpha country it, it should make you think like you know what what have we done to be you know the best country there is you know what i mean it's not only just our military but just like the the american life mm-hmm. you know the american way and how people are is what makes this country so good and you know if we can if we can start a brand that you know maybe makes you think, you know, makes you realize that. And just by, just by off a name or just by somebody wearing a hat or a shirt, you know, that can change somebody's day around, you know what I mean? And it really can make you realize that we do live in the, in, in the best country. And it's not just me thinking that it's other, other countries that are like, damn, you know, America's the alpha country, you know, mm-hmm. they, they really are. And that nobody, nobody fucks with them, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so no, that's I, I completely that's... agree. I think it. Um, we forget um, like how great it is here and how many uh, privileges and advantages we have here that so many other countries uh, don't have. Even even other like developed countries, it's it's not you don't have the same opportunities as you do in America. Um, and it is yeah. it's easy to forget. So I love that, like you said, your hats or you know the beanie. Uh, whatever it is that you can snag from your site could be a great reminder to, to live up to that, you know, live up yeah. to the country you come from. That's what I will think of it as when I snag something is yeah. I've got a, I got a lot of people to live up to uh, back yeah. home. So I appreciate that. All right. So wh- what is your site? Where, where can people uh, go snag something? So you can www.thealphacountry.com um, or you can go on to pretty much if you just search an Instagram, The Alpha Country, um, my my profile will pop up and then 
in the description or whatever. I don't even, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever's below my little profile picture. Yeah. Your well, bio. Yeah. My bio. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a link there and it's under the goods on the site. And in my eyes, the way that I look at it, um, I have never followed every program that I've uh, followed. Um, I've had to pay for it. You know, nobody's just given it to me mm-hmm. and everything that you do, everything that you do in the military, all that stuff, somebody had to pay for it at some point. Right. And so, you know, the way that, the way that I look at you buying the program is you investing. If you don't follow this program, you know, that's how I looked at it. When I was, um, when I was buying these programs, I was like, well, shit, dude, I spent a hundred bucks. Like if I don't follow this, then a, I'm not going to prepare and I'm not going to be ready to go when the time comes and I'm going to lose out on a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, I'm giving you, I'm, I, I took the time hours on hours, um, revising and making sure that this thing looks right and, and sounds good. You know what I mean? It took a, it took a lot of time doing that. So I can't just give it away for free. You know what I mean? But what I can offer is you can hit me up and you can I'll give you my phone number. I'll give you whatever you need so that you can contact me throughout the, the prep throughout your time in, in SF throughout selection, throughout the Q course, like whatever. I do not care whatsoever at all. Wow. If you invest in me, I promise you I'll invest in you times a hundred. You know wow. what I mean? That's just, that's just how I am. Wow. What a great example of leadership and you're just providing so much value to everyone. Like you said, you've put so much time and thought into this program and then for you to, you know, also offer your leadership. Um, that's just such a great example of leadership and especially in the SF community, um, how you guys take care of each other. So um, you're definitely doing your part to better the community. And, and I think that that's so great and admirable. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. All right. So the alpha country.com and the alpha country on Instagram. Is that right? Yep. All right, everybody go snag uh, some gear and look for that uh, program come the new year. Thanks. Thanks.